Father God, I just pray for the uh, encouragement of the Spirit to our spirits today, that you would build us into the individuals that uh, we should be in your will, and that you would build us into the community um, in which we should move in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we all have choices, always. So let's, let's try to choose well. What do you think? Yeah? You always have a choice, so just try to choose well. I was uh, saying that to myself this week. Uh, there is so much power in the choices that we make, so much power to shape our own lives. I think the point of life, as I have said a few times in this recent sermon series, the point of life is to trust your good and loving God and to live out that trust by fulfilling his good and loving purposes for your life. Now, his good and loving purposes for your life involve you being salt and light. We just heard a couple of great testimonies uh, about that. His good and loving purposes for your life involve you being salt and light constantly wherever you are because you do not put a lamp under a bucket. That makes no sense. Shine on. And his good and loving purposes for your life will involve some expression of being salt and light that is fairly unique to you, some mode or manner in which uh, you are especially designed to move. So you have sort of the general uh, purpose, and then you've got some unique twist on it uh, that is just customized to your life and to your design. I think that trusting in God Trusting in God's purpose for me gives me a very rich and layered life, and I think that's true for you. Trusting God just gives you a tremendously rich life, but living out your good and loving purposes from God is the hardest thing to do in life, i found. It's the hardest thing to do because of the way the world works and because chaos comes against you. And so it is wise to focus on what it takes to live out God's good and loving purpose for our lives. Uh, It has been said that all good stories boil down to the characters answering one question. The most important question in any story, it has been said, is who am I? Who am I? What kind of person Am I? Am I a brave person? Am I a cowardly person? Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Am I up to the task? Am I a loved person? Am I a loving person? Who am I? In one way, shape, or form, all good stories kind of boil down to that question. So in your story, who are you? That is a question I ask myself a fair bit. In your story, who are you? There are different ways of taking a stab at answering that question, uh, but you know, you get to find out in life. That's kind of what you're doing in your life. You're finding out who you are. Who are you? And you find out by living it out. By living out what your purpose is. By living out important uh, choices that you make. Now, I know that you are a person of tremendous purpose. I know that you are a purpose of tremendous meaning in the world. And I know that the eyes of God are on you. 
like, you know, an obsessive father watching the child that he loves. What I don't know is if you'll follow through. What I don't know is if you will follow through on the choices that you ought to make. That's, that's where the story gets dramatic. I know you have purpose. I know you have meaning. I know God is into you, but are you going to follow through? <clears throat> now, I can say uh, with some measure of proven confidence that I will do pretty much everything within my power to help you follow through on your God-given purposes. Um, but, but, but that's the thing. Follow through is the part that only you can do. I mean, I can certainly pitch in. You know, I can certainly be encouraging and supportive. But the follow through, that's the thing that is up to you. Your life, your story, your purpose boils down to whether or not you follow through. Period. End of paragraph. You could say additionally that your impact on others often boils down to whether or not you can successfully inspire them to follow through. Because we help each other as best we can, right? So last week uh, during the sermon, uh, I had you uh, write down one action step that you were going to try to do this week. How many of you were here last week? Okay, so you get to play. Uh, how, how did that go for you? You wrote down some action step that you were going to follow through on this week. How many of you pulled it off? How many of you didn't pull it off? What, 60, 40 to the good, I think. That's not bad. For those of you who didn't pull it off, I know why you didn't pull it off. I know why. Chaos got you. Chaos got you. I don't know what flavor of chaos got you. So think about this. Was it vagueness? Did vagueness stop you from following through? Did you simply not think about it, in other words? Did you remain hazy on it and therefore not follow through? Or was it delay? Did delay kick your butt? Uh, did you not get around to doing it on Monday and then just kind of have forgotten by Wednesday? Did delay kick your butt? Was that how chaos got you? Or was it <clears throat> half-acidness? Right? Did you kind of start to do it and then just kind of veered off the effort path? You know, the half-built tower syndrome, uh, in other words. Or was it, was it undiscipled emotions? By which I mean, did you kind of think about following through on that action step and just experience too much emotional gravity to really do it? You know, it, it, it just it started feeling heavy. It started feeling burdensome, and you couldn't quite get over that emotional hump. What was it? All right, turn to your neighbor and discuss. It's like, yes, I followed through. No, I didn't follow through. The reason I didn't follow through was probably something like this. You're going to have a 40-second discussion with your neighbor. Go. If you weren't here last week and did not participate, then just try to be really sympathetic as you listen and encourage. This is the conditioning portion of our program. 
This is our, this is our, uh, our church CrossFit. This is what this is. We're work it out, man. All right, if you haven't, switch. Give the other partner a chance to share if you haven't done that yet. All right. Wrap it up. If you're brand new, I know, I know that was weird, but it's not the weirdest thing we do, so. All right, how many of you, how many of you followed through on the action step again? Can I, can I see those hands? All right, those, you guys followed through? All right, those of you who followed through, stand up. And then with great enthusiasm, turn in circles and encourage those who didn't. Go ahead, do it. Say, yes, come on. We got this. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm not particularly impressive. I just followed through. You can do it. So, yeah, all right. I bet, I bet Christine's a great motivator in, in the CrossFit gym, right? So show, show us how it's done. It's like stand, stand up and just say, come on, one more rep. You can do it, come on. Oh no, that is not what I expected at all. You look good, you're not even tired. I love that. That's brilliant. As they're about ready to vomit. That's good. It's like, you're awesome. You're awesome. You got this. So I, I know funny exercises and, uh, you know, apologies to those of you who are just like, oh, I heard about this church. I'm going to try it, try it out. And you got, you know, stuck in a conversation with a really rude person, but, you know, all of which brings up an interesting question. At what point in encouraging you to follow through do I just become an irritating butthead? Right? I, 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 think, that's, I think that's a fair question. At what, have I passed the point at which I've become an irritating butthead to you? All right, yeah, for some people. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm getting close. Noted. <laughs> you know, uh, I think about that too. Am I being an inspiration? Uh, am I being uh, a good accountability partner? Uh, am I being a good reinforcer? Or am I just being a butthead? And I try to live right on that line, <laughs> right? Between butthead and encouraging genius. I don't know. Just, I, I try to live right there, and, and I recommend it to you. Uh, we have a, a scripture story uh, about, I don't follow through. It's on the back of your program from Matthew chapter 21. It'll also be up on your big screen. You can follow along on your smartphone. Or you might even have an actual hard copy Bible. So this is a story, uh, uh, a, uh, a parable teaching of, uh, of Jesus, and it takes place during those days in which he has entered Jerusalem during the last week of his life, 
And he's having a lot of back and forth, a lot of debates with the religious leaders of his culture and his day. They don't like him very much. And uh, Jesus has been really kind of raising a ruckus, gathering crowds, doing miracles, and saying things that really challenge their religious understanding. Uh, and so uh, Matthew 21 uh, it comes to this moment, and Jesus again is talking with the religious experts of his day. This is what he says. So what do you think? Uh, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And that son answered, I will, sir. But then he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And the religious experts answered, well, the first. The one who said, I won't go, but in the end did. Jesus said to them, ah, truly I tell you, the tax collectors, which is to say the mafiosos, the gangbangers, the, uh, the criminals, and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, religious experts. For John, he's talking about John the Baptist, a revival leader of that day. John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the criminals and the moral rejects, did believe him. And even after you saw this, you did not repent. You did not change your thinking and believe him. Uh, is the question. I love this. I love this little parable, just kind of short and to the point. Uh, what's, what's going on here? Uh, in, at one level, Jesus is just kind of making a specific point uh, to the religious stylists of his day. He's just saying, look, uh, you think that because you look religious, you get everything right. But I'm telling you, there's a way in which the rejects and the moral reprobates and the criminals have understood what's going on today. You didn't. Um, so, so think about this. Uh, in a larger sense, I love this parable because it's, it's just entirely about follow through, isn't it? Jesus is essentially saying to them, it's not how you look. It's not what you say. It's whether or not you follow through on what's important, right? You get the, the troublesome son, the disrespectful son. When father comes to him in the morning and says, okay, it's a work day. Let's go out there into the vineyard and let's pull some weeds. Let's cut some vines. Let's harvest some grapes. Let's go. And the son's like, no, no, not into it. Playing Minecraft. Uh, but, but eventually that son finds his way to making the right choice and following through. He pulls it off. And so good son, bad son. Uh, and Jesus is essentially saying, as the religious leaders recognize, it's like, the important thing is that you follow through. You don't get style points. Like, yeah, you know, you were cantankerous. You were disrespectful. You were a little bit talk-backy but you followed through. Good child. Way to go. And then you got the other guy who's like, I will, sir. 
You know, he even throws in the honorific. He says the right things. He's got the style down pat. He believes the right thing. I bet if you quiz that second son on whether it was important to respect your parents, he would give you the exact right answer and probably quote the verses from the Old Testament that said you should honor your father and your mother, right? But no follow through, no follow through. And it's as if that second son excused himself. It's like, look, I said the right things, I looked the right way, I know the right things, I believe the right things, I trust in the right things, therefore I don't really have to follow through. You know, some sort of exchange like that going on in his little brain. It all boils down to the follow through. The rest is just details. And you don't get style points in the kingdom of God, uh, Jesus says. No style, no posturing, no amount of expertise, could cloud the issue. And the parable prompts me to ask the all-important question, well, where does follow-through come from exactly? Because it looks like the first kid wasn't set up to follow through, but did. And it looks like the second king, kid was totally set up to follow through, but didn't. Where does follow-through come from? Uh, it obviously doesn't necessarily come from what you say. It's not necessarily the confessions of your mouth that lead you to follow through. Uh, according uh, to this parable. And, and in, in point of fact, in real life, I'm not always entirely sure where follow-through comes from. Uh, though there's, there's tons of psychological research on it if you want to go to Google. You know, why do people follow through? Many theses have been written about this. Uh, but, but I do know this, I can tell when somebody really has follow-through. I can totally tell. It's one of those qualities that just leaps out of a person's uh, spirit. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting on in years now, and I've just experienced the difference in people. There are people who are great at follow-through, and there are people who struggle at follow-through. The struggle is human. I mean, we all struggle a bit. But some people value it in a special way. And I mean, those people are, I mean, they radiate a certain something. Uh, and I, though, I know this for sure, uh, speaking as someone who's worked a bit in spiritual leadership, to disciple someone is to encourage them to follow through. That's my best down and dirty definition of what we in church circles call discipleship. Helping someone grow, to disciple someone is to encourage them to follow through. Not on anything, but you know, on the important bits. To be a good discipler is to figure out what helps people follow through. It's to get in the face of your, your gym partner who's on her final rep and to say, you look beautiful. You got that. You're not even tired yet. Total lie, but it works. It's not a lie. It's a truth born of love. <laughs> but there are spiritual analogs, right? But that's what discipleship is, is to encourage uh, one another to follow through. It's not necessarily instruction. It's not getting knowledge into people's heads. It's getting them to do that follow through because that's the key to living out God's good and loving purposes for your life. Um, when Jesus, uh, in a parable, depicts God the Father saying at the end of days, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the line that we all want to hear. Well, what does it mean, well done, good and faithful servant? You could translate that, well done, you followed through. 
That's what faithfulness means. Faithfulness means following through. Um, when Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he speaks of that building the house on a rock, he says, he who hears my commands and does them is like a wise man who builds his house uh, upon a rock. It's the and does them bit. It's not whether you know the commands. It's not whether you know what your purpose is. It's not whether you know what your calling is. It's whether you actually do it. It's whether you follow through. And if you follow through, then you're building your house on a rock. And no matter what crises come, no matter what storms come, no matter what setbacks, disappointments, failures, challenges come, you're going to be on the rock. So ultimately, you're going to be fine if you're following through. Now, there are tons of follow-through proverbs in the book of Proverbs. I mean, just Let's go through it sometime. Uh, my uh, my uh, bang for the buck favorite comes from Proverbs 18. A lazy person is as bad as one who destroys things. <laughs> this, Proverbs are great for just kind of boiling it down and putting it in a short end pithy way. A lazy person is as good as one who destroys things. Uh, and, and I just really discovered that to be true of my own life. If you know something you ought to do and you don't do it, well, it's just as good as if you had destroyed the world. You know, because you're not being light, and your job is to be light, and so people are walking around in darkness. That's destructive. That's destructive. Lack of follow-through is always destructive. There's a difference between those who believe much and those who follow through, and that's really the difference between immaturity and maturity in the kingdom of God. It's not how much you know. It's not what you believe. As Scripture says, oh, the devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes in the one true God. He doesn't follow through well. You know, it's, it's, it's the follow-through business. Uh, you can be a believer and not be a disciple, or you can be a disciple. And the difference is, is follow-through. And if I had to evaluate how, how you're doing on your discipleship, how you're doing on your followership of Jesus, whatever you want to call it, and I didn't know you, uh, then I would just ask you, well, what things are you following through on these days? That's all I'd ask you. And I would know a ton about your discipleship very quickly. Yeah, what are you following through on these days? It's a great version of a discipleship question. I've been meditating on, on follow-through uh, lately. Let me just uh, share some of my random meditations on uh, following through and things that it makes me uh, think about. One of the best lessons I learned on follow through was in, uh, this is one of my first jobs out of college. I was like, maybe I just turned 22 years old and I was working for uh, Oracle Corporation, which was this huge software company. And uh, I was in their like personnel resource analyst department. I, I was basically an analyst for them, an internal analyst. And uh, my job had to do with figuring out how to do reports, how to take database information and answer important questions with it and stuff like that about compensation and sales and things like this. And uh, you know, I never really had a regular nine to five corporate type job, so I had a lot to learn. And I was going through my job a few months in and I met with my manager who was just a couple of years older than I was, uh, but quite gifted at her job. And, uh, and she said, well, what are, how's it going? Uh, what are you doing? And I said, well, these are the things that I've been working on. And I, I remember still uh, to this day, uh, we're, you know, 25 years later, 
uh, she said to me, I don't want to know what you're working on. I want to know what you're going to deliver me today. Uh, it's about deliverables, Jordan. And she taught me about this thing called deliverables. She said, when you have an assignment, your goal is to get something on my desk, off of your desk onto mine. When it becomes real, when you have something to deliver, then you've done your job. Until then, you haven't. And she dismissed me with the arrogance that only a 24-year-old manager could dismiss me with. Great lesson. I've remembered it my whole life. Life, in some sense, is deliverables. It's not how hard you're working, it's what you're delivering. You want to get to the point where you're actually pulling the trigger, where you're actually having the conversation, where you're actually following up, following through. You're putting something on someone else's desk, so to speak. Deliverables, uh, follow through. Uh, I, I think as well that, that you can have all the talent, all the gifting, all the passion in the world and still not follow through. Because follow through is different than talent, follow through is different than gifting, and follow through is different than passion. It's a, it's a different, it's a different uh, muscle. Uh, one of the, the best small groups I was ever part of uh, was the small group that Sonia and I started in, in South Chicago while I was in grad school. And, and uh, I was in grad school, and it was a small group mostly of undergrads. Maybe one other grad student was in it. But uh, it was just these kids. So we were trying to drive them 45 minutes to a church that we were attending. It was really you know, hard to do. We, so we started this small group Bible study in our apartment. And we had a, a big living room in the apartment. It was about 40 uh, feet long. So that small group eventually grew to be you know, many dozens of people, um, and, and would eventually become a church. But when it started, there was just about eight of us in the group, and of those original eight or so people, uh, at, at this point, just, just those people, not the people they decided, but they discipled, but just those people have planted like six churches stretching from the east coast of the United States to Korea. Just, just those people. And, and it was not the most talented group of people I ever had, you know, surrounding me in, in a small group, uh, but they were just go-getters. An incredibly generative, incredibly creative group of people. I was doing a conference in Chicago uh, about a year ago. I was speaking there, and one of the original members of that group uh, came to that conference, and we were having this conversation, and, and she was actually feeling a little stuck in life, and she said to me, I just want to, you know, I, I want to feel again like it was when we were back in that group. And, and stuff was happening. And so I said, well, what did you learn in that group? And she thought a minute and she said, we just learned to do stuff. And so I said back to her, well, are you? Are you doing that now? And she said, well, I'm doing things. And that was it. <laughs> that was pretty much the conversation. Because there's a difference, right, between doing stuff and doing things in life, right? And there's something about that difference that makes all the difference. Great discipleship conversation. She's doing well. Uh, recently, uh, my daughter has got into uh, distance running. Uh, she's doing cross country for the first time this year. She's, she's doing great. Um, and uh, so I... I was really athletic growing up. I did lots of sports. I actually ran track, but I did all of the short, fast twitch stuff. I don't know anything about distance running. Like, I ran track, but I was a sprinter, right? Um, played football. You don't run three miles uh, 
um, to, you know, to practice uh, football. So, you know, I've been, I've been studying up on distance running so that I can be a good encourager and going online or all sorts of stuff on YouTube. And I've discovered, one great thing I've discovered is that studies have shown that distance runners are the best students. Intermediate school, high school, college, the distance runners always have a better GPA as a group than any other group uh, in, in the school. Why? Right, I always ask the why question. What's that? Because they go the distance. Thank you. That's better than what I was going to say, so I will accept that. Yeah. Well, they just, I mean, they, they just get used to effort in a unique way, don't they? I mean, that's the sport. Uh, I saw a t-shirt once, a cross-country t-shirt that says, my sport is your sport's punishment. <laughs> right? It's like, when you get in trouble, the coach makes you run a lap. Well, I just run laps. Uh, they get used to effort in a unique way. Uh, they get used to, to follow through. I was on a sabbatical uh, during the first half of this year, and I remember a piece of advice I got uh, at the beginning of my sabbatical. I was talking to another minister about it. I said, well, what do you need uh, to do this well? How, how does a church survive a sabbatical of its senior pastor? And the advice I got was, well, you just need people who do stuff when you're not looking. Uh, you, you know, need, when you're not there, the people who still do this stuff. And thankfully, a Blue Water Mission, we had some of those people. Uh, so it worked out well. But of course, you know, that makes, that makes me think, do I do the stuff when nobody's looking? I mean, that's kind of a great question in life, right? Do I do the stuff when nobody's forcing me to do this stuff? That's kind of a, kind of a great definitive question for follow through. What a vital question for life. Do you do this stuff when nobody's forcing you to do this stuff? And then sometimes, uh, I've been married for 25 years, so I meditate on follow-through when my wife gets mad at me for not delivering on the chores that she wants me to do. I know that's unique to me, that there's no other spouse in the congregation that has this experience. But I have learned in my two dozen years of marriage that it's actually a fairly huge deal for Sonia when I don't follow through on a chore. And I ask myself, why? With a bit of passion. And it's because you know, it's a measure of trustworthiness. Uh, for her. And in that sense, you know, it makes sense. I'm not sure that me not contributing to, you know, scrubbing the bathroom or something like that is the best measure of my trustworthiness, but it is a great measure of my follow-through capacity, isn't it? That's why these things are important. Uh, follow-through is a proxy. It's a, it's a, it's a measure. Uh, for trustworthiness in life. And I think there's a general principle there that can be applied to all of us. Don't anybody go home now, couples, and argue about follow-through on chores. I'm declaring a moratorium this week. You can't argue about that stuff just because the pastor brought it up in the sermon. Anyway, what structures can we build? What, what practices can we engage in life to help us to follow through? Because I think that's the game, people. I think that's the game. I, I, so what can we do to help ourselves out? And, and I, I, there's a really simple formulation uh, that, that we would do well to remember that has been uh, super helpful in my life, super helpful in my life uh, of late in particular. And it's, and it's just this. One, be clear about it, and two, follow up. Be clear about it, 
and then follow up. When I say be clear about it, what I'm, what I'm talking about is, you know, be clear on the things that you have to do to be purposeful. And we've been drilling that a lot on Sundays. I know that some of you have been drilling that a lot in your Ohana groups. It's like, you know, uh, Christine was drilling in a lot in her gym conversations. Like, well, let's have a conversation on purpose. And that was very magnetic to people because people want to live with purpose, but not everybody is really clear on what they need to do to live purposefully. So you have to be clear about it. You have to be clear about it for your life. And uh, if you're helping someone else, you have to help them be clear about what they need to do to follow through on their purpose. What do you need to do to be salt and light? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me loudly. Always be discipling. How? Ask questions. Have conversations. How? Ask questions. There. That wasn't so hard, was it? And if you ask questions, what happens? Well, you have interesting conversations. Yeah. You learn. It works. Yeah. So, so we're clear on that, right? And so all I have to do now is follow up with you if I want to help you. So how are those conversations going? What questions are working with you? Uh, oh, <laughs> well, what can you do this week? But you know, it's really easy if you're clear on what, what you need to be doing. And then maybe you have some unique purpose in your life, something that you uniquely want to follow through on in order to be salt and light in the world. Well, if you share that, if I know it, uh, then one, you can be honest about whether or not you're following through, following up on it, and two, I can help you in an honest and encouraging way. So be clear on it and then follow up. Follow up to see if it's done, you know? Follow up in such a way that you're asking yourself, at what point do I just become an irritating butthead? And if you're right on the line, then you're probably right. You're probably right on, right on the money. You know, you can follow up with yourself too. Um, there are various techniques for this. You know, I use a lot of post-it notes and I slap them on my desk. And then in the morning when I go and sit down on my desk, I review my post-it notes and I'm like, oh, I didn't do that one. And then I'll kind of move them around my desk and it makes my desk look really messy, but it's effective uh, and, and it's fruitful. But you can help yourself by getting into a reinforcement group of some sort. Now, this is just so vital in life. I call it a reinforcement group. Uh, really, uh, Reputable Christians call it an accountability group, but I don't like that title so much. This is just me because when I say accountability, I'm going to hold you accountable, then it makes me sound like I'm trying to catch you in sin or something. But if I call it a reinforcement group, I like that because all I'm doing is reinforcing what we know to be important and vital in your life. Accountability is not just about sin, by the way. You know, accountability chiefly is about purpose. And this is why I love accountability. Uh, it's what I appreciate most about it, is that when people hold me accountable, when people reinforce good things for me, uh, it helps me uh, stay on track. You know that proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Um, I think what that proverb is about is reinforcement of purpose. What does it mean to be sharp? What it means to be sharp is to be honed, right? A sharp edge is a focused edge. It's focused, right? 
sharpened to a point? Is your life focused to a point? Is it honed? I can help you with that. How? By being an irritating butthead. I mean by being encouraging and asking you follow-up questions by knowing what your purpose is and reinforcing that in your life. That's what it means to be sharp. I want to have a life that penetrates the world. Will you help me with that, please? Well, ask me about my purpose and what I need to do to be on it. And that's how you help me be focused and honed. This is how we sharpen one another. I hear uh, the, the Blue Water Men's Group is doing great things in this area. Am I right, guys? Just sort of discussing, uh, breaking up into, into really small groups and kind of discussing on a weekly basis with some of your buddies, hey, are you, are you focused? Are you honed? Has that been helpful, guys? Somebody shout. Um, I know some of the small groups are doing a, a great job. Are you in a group where this is happening for you? Yes or no? Depending on your answer, I bet you I can estimate with a fair degree of certainty uh, whether or not you're progressing in purpose in your life. Because we need the reinforcement. You're just human. So get in a group. Get in a good reinforcement group. Here's an assignment for you this week. Here you go. Let's be clear about this. What's one thing that you will follow through on this week? What's one thing that you will follow through on this week? Go ahead, write it down. Break out the smartphone. Break out the post-its. Write it on a corner of your program. Shove it into your purse or wallet. What's one thing that you're going to follow through on this week? And as a prep question, uh, how many of you have something you haven't been following through on? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I know it, I, I should be doing it, but I haven't been following through on it. Make sure that you write that down. What's one thing that you're going to follow through on this week? So it has to be something you can follow through on this week, right? Can be, well, you know, I do want to get around to writing that novel, yes, but you're not going to write a novel this week. But you might write a chapter, you know, so. All right, everybody got something? Share it with your neighbor. You got 30 seconds, go. This one I'm going to follow through on this week. If you're a good neighbor, ask a couple penetrating questions like, well, how are you going to do that? Or, why is that important? Swap and share the other direction. You know, you know what's a great feeling? You know what's a great feeling in life? Progress is a great feeling in life, isn't it? Doesn't progress feel great? You know, even failure can feel like progress if you failed at doing the right thing. I mean, which is to say you did the right thing and it didn't work out. Even that can feel like great progress. Um, I just bless you guys for being in this with me in a community that's trying to make progress, in a community that's trying to live out purpose, you know. As these sorts of exercises that we do on Sunday are a little bit challenging. They're not like cookie-cutter reassurance, right? Um, it's provocative. Uh, but you hang in. 
you know, and we're helping each other. And I kid you not, at my core, I believe that's the most important thing in life. That's what it means to really love one another and encourage us in the doing of good works, as, as Paul writes it. This is what we're about. Now, there's good stuff to do, good stuff to do, and it's what life is for. So in Jesus' name, I bless you to do it, and in Jesus' name, I bless you to help one another as we do it.